Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. Ah. Uh-huh. 
Somebody, amen. Are you ready for the word? Amen. Come on, put your hands together. Let's invite our Reverend Gilbert for more of those powerful messages. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to honor you tonight for your holy, precious words. Thank you for touching us by the blood which has qualified us to stand in your presence. We pray, oh God, that there shall be no room in us for the spirit of the world for the spirit of the evil one there shall be no room in us for duality because our whole being, spirit, soul and body shall be occupied by you Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus, Amen we thank the Lord powerful we've been studying from Bishop's book Spiritual Dangers and we've covered several types of duality hallelujah you know the goal is not to become dual but sometimes um you know you you, you need to hear about what something is not in order to avoid becoming that 
So a Christian, a person who has been born again, you know, Bishop taught us in the Seven Great Principles that you have a spirit. I mean, you are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. Amen. And duality is a disease. You know, one of the things that people study in medical school or nursing school is that they study anatomy. They study the organs of the body. The, the way the organs are supposed to be in the natural order. Hallelujah. And then Bishop said that when he finished medical school, his first post where he was sent to, the department he was sent to, to go and work. Do you know where he was sent to go and work? No, it wasn't OBGYN. I'm going to tell him you failed this. That's a fiasco. <laughs> or it was an emergency. It's at, it was at the department that even his father-in-law went to see the administrator and said, you know what? The mortuary. That's right. Because when he said, say it again. Yes. So that's what they, 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 they I mean, um, what was the official term? You know, There's official department name for that. Like where they do the post-mortem. Yeah. Let's, let, let, that's your research. <laughs> but, but when he wanted to leave um, you know, the profession and go into full-time, his father-in-law thought that maybe because of seeing dead bodies all the time, he has lost interest in medicine. That's why he wanted to leave and go into full-time ministry. So he went to the administrator and they tried to... You know, he's a very influential, you know, eminent person. You know how it is also in certain countries. You can easily... But he, he tried to talk to them and put him somewhere else because that's why he doesn't want to do this anymore. But that wasn't the, the, the reason. He had just lost interest in the whole profession because God has given him a call. But the reason I'm bringing that up is that um, what do they do at that place? When somebody dies and they dissect to try and find out what is wrong with the person, right? You realize that when somebody dies of a particular disease, usually the organs... Some organ will be deformed or would have changed the way it naturally is. Do you get it? But unless you know, unless you have an idea of the normal state of the thing, if the thing is diseased, you wouldn't know. Hallelujah. That's why for some time we studied about the new creation and what we are supposed to become. That's why we, we have the book called Seven Great Principles. Like, the normal Christian is supposed to grow. Supposed to grow on a certain path. But when some of these things that we are reading about begins to show that is a sign that there's a sickness. Hallelujah. And we are studying it um, as a way of immunizing ourselves so that if you begin to see these things in you, then you check yourself. And one of the things you will discover that sometimes some of what we talk about, it may not be in you in its full form. Do you get it? Like, like, like for instance, um, the first one was separated and unequally yoked. So, in one sense, you are separated and then you are also messing with unbelievers, do unbeliever stuff. Chances are that you are not doing that all the time. Maybe once in a while, you go to a party and then you do a few unbeliever stuff. You see, the, thing, the danger is that when we are teaching such topics, you see, believers who have been believers for a long time or think that they are above this and discounted that, oh, this is for this person who who doesn't come the weekday service? They are the ones who need to hear it. But but you may not be full-blown what we are saying, but the seeds may be beginning to show. Hallelujah. And the way you begin to see the seeds are showing is that one, it no more bothers you. That this thing that I'm doing, it no more bothers you. That that, that is, means that the seeds of being on that track are beginning to show. Hallelujah. Alright. So, second one was what? Spiritual and carnal. A person is spiritual and carnal. This is a second type of duality. Then in one sense you are spiritual, in another sense you are carnal. And then mighty and weak. You are mighty like uh, Bishop Richard. You know his nickname? He was called uh, Brother Mighty. You know, that those days he was like the main person for prayer. Amen. And as you can see, he has this commanding deep voice. You now, you'll be afraid of him. Amen. But, but, it is a tragedy that sometimes somebody can be known publicly as, you know, mighty spiritually, but then they have 
a certain weakness. I was watching, uh, you know, there's two Ten Commandments movie, uh, movies I've watched, but I've forgotten which one. But in one of them, you know, Moses, you know how Moses, God called him. But before Moses left Egypt and went to the wilderness, you know, he was being raised as an Egyptian prince. Is that not so? And he had a girlfriend in the palace. I'm trying to remember her name. Is it Nofromanti or something like that? Some Egyptian princess, or Egyptian lady. So, but then of course at that time he wasn't born again, so we can, we can, we can excuse him, right? And then he came to the self-awareness of how he's really not Egyptian, he's Jewish. And then he went to defend the Jewish person and he killed the Egyptian and then he had to run away. Is that not so? So he ran away and then you know how he ended up meeting, you know, the uh, Midian man, the, the king of Midian, ma married the daughter and then eventually God showed himself to him that go back and redeem your people. Jet, was it Jethro? Yes. So, so he came back and in the movie, you know how when they are making movies, they add their own fiction stories to it. So this Nefra, is it Neframanti or something, a name like that, she couldn't understand when Moses came full of power. I mean, the man has met Jehovah. Do you get it? He has seen the man in bush full of power and then somewhere the, this lady cornered him at a place and started, you know, um, how do you call it? Tickling him. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, so here the mighty Moses, full of power who has met Almighty God, the Fremantle is making him weak. And at some point, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing her name well, but I'll tell you later. So as, as he, he was tickling, tickling him on his armpit and, and other places, <laughs> he goes, Nefromante, Nefromante. It's, it's, like, it's like, stop what you are doing. Stop what you are doing. <laughs> are you listening to me? You cannot be what? Both mighty and weak. We need to stay straight on the, on the path. Hallelujah. Okay. Nasty and nice. We talked about that last week. That you can be nice, but when people know some of the things you can say, people are amazed. As if it's a different person we are dealing with. Mature and yet childish. Okay? Loyal and slanderous. And then worshipping with your mouth, yet rebelling in your heart. All these are different types of what? Duality. Now, today we want to add one, goodness and badness. Right? You see, as we talk about duality, we're talking about twos. Remember back in school, we learned about the number, what do you call it? Uh, basis, number basis. I don't know whether they, they teach it here, but, but one of the things we learned is like, you know how we, we are using base 10. So when you, are, you count up to nine, nine, the next one is one and zero. Because there's only, there's only 10 digits, zero to nine. Is that not so? Alright? So, so when you get to nine, we don't have a number for 10. Did you realize that? 10 is actually borrowing from one and zero. 10 doesn't have its own number. It's borrowing from one and zero. You get it. Every number in the whole world has to borrow from zero to nine. Okay. So, but then, but then, um, when I was in school, we learned something. Number base. One of them is base two. Do you get it? Base two is only two numbers. Who can tell me? Zero and one. Hallelujah. Is zero and one. Amen. Only zero and one. So it's like it cannot be zero and one at the same time. Is either zero or one, and that is, is binary. Okay, that type of thinking is what computer thing is based on. Are you listening to me? At the end of the day, it's a matter of choice. We are talking about avoiding duality. How do you avoid duality? Amen. When you are born again, you are born again in your spirit man. Is that not so? Your spirit man is born again, but then throughout your life, you are going to grow in your soul. Your soul is your world, your emotions, and your, and, your, and your mind. You're going to grow in that area. You don't automatically switch to become a strong, strong in your soul just because you're born again. But it's a process. And this process, Holy Spirit is going to help you. Amen. But how many know that it is not an automaton? If it is an automaton, then God has reduced us to objects. But God created us with choice. Hallelujah. So what I'm saying is that why is it that somebody can be a very powerful preacher? A very powerful preacher and is fornicating. 
Bishop said he met one and he was advising that man of God. The man has dip, gotten so depraved that he actually began to believe in his own lies. And he told Bishop that one, the day that I fornicate, that day is when the anointing is more. Do you get it? But you, see, but you realize that you realize such a, such a lifestyle but the church members don't know. And you see, let me tell you one thing. God, eh? God is looking for the welfare of his people. And sometimes he can overlook the faults of the, of the leader, the faults of the minister, and still use the person. Not because, not because the person is okay, but because he wants to heal somebody. He wants someone to hear a word that they are going to, they are going to change. Amen. So that don't, don't, we cannot just use anointing flowing on somebody as a sign of God's approval. That's why last week we read a scripture that we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be even want to teach so much in a hurry because there's a higher judgment for teachers. Amen. I'm not saying you shouldn't become a teacher. Um, Hebrews 5, uh, 12 to 14 said that for a time you ought to be teachers. Amen. But you got my point that there is this thing that can make a person have a certain type of deception can make enter you that okay I can be good but then I can turn bad when I want to and I'm saying that it is not something you are born with if I want you are born again all the things that you are originally born with it has ended the dominion of your of your ancestry line has ended when you are born again, you, are, you start a new dominion, a new rule, a new heritage, a new lineage in Christ. So that if any of these dual things are in us, the, 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 the excuse cannot be that, oh, this, is, this one runs in my family line. Because it's a matter of what? Choice. It's either a zero or a one. You choose. Amen. Let's look at this scripture. A scripture in uh, 1 Kings, I believe. First Kings chapter 18 and verse 21. First Kings. We are talking about one of the types of duality is goodness and badness. That a person is good and then they, they can also be bad. And you wonder whether you are dealing with the same person. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. How long would you falter between two opinions? Whenever these dual tendencies are in us, it is, it is, like, it is like we are faltering between two opinions. And you know what James 1.8 says. Let's look at James 1.8. James chapter 1 verse 8. Is that a, a double-minded person is what? Unstable in all their ways. Hallelujah. See, I don't know whether you know of... Um, there's a movie called The Matrix. I don't know whether you've seen The Matrix. It's a sci-fi movie. And you know me, when I watch movies, I, certain lines in the movie kind of stick to my mind. Because often, it, there is a, there's a, a deeper meaning and application to life. Amen. Yeah. So, for instance, in, in one instance, a certain man who had a bunch of keys that the key characters were looking for they had to fight to get the keys. And the man who had the keys, as soon as they got the keys, the enemies attacked and the man died. But just before he died, they said, we are sorry you are dying. He said, don't be sorry. He said, I knew I had this key because, because it was my destiny to have it. And I had to have it for a season. Now you have it. So is that right there, there's a lesson that, okay, things that come into your hands are there for a season. And, and you, you hold custody of it, of it until another time somebody takes over. Amen. But in that movie, there is a scene that the key characters had to go and um, I think actually in the same place where they had to go and get the key. Do you get it? And they had to find this man called the key maker. Now, how many have seen the movie? The Matrix. So, uh, you, you and I should watch it one of these days. <laughs> so, when they go it was uh, 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 Morpheus and Trinity and what's the other one? Neo. Okay. When they go, um, the, the territory where the key is held is ruled by a Frenchman. You get it. You remember the Frenchman. Now, the whole 
premise about this movie is that they say that the world is controlled by computer digits. Like everything is controlled by programs, computer programs. Do you get it? Like you have to break out of this programmed world in order to be yourself. So in this environment, the Frenchman was trying to prove to Neo and, and the other two people that everything around here, I control it. So he said everything is causality. That, that is his point. Is that Everything is causality. That something that happens because something has caused it. So those are the two philosophical differences in the movie that was brought into that scene. That is causality. Amen. And human beings that you see there are actually a computer program. And, the, and this Frenchman owns a restaurant. Do you get it? And people were eating at the restaurant. There was a very fine lady and uh, other people eating at the restaurant. And then as they were having a conversation with, with Morpheus and co, the Frenchman told them, look, watch that lady. I'm going to prove to you causality that I can cause something to happen here. Do you get it? He said that all oh, these are programs. I wrote them. And then the, the lady, this fine lady, she took her fork. Do you get it? And there was a piece of cake that she was about to bite. Do you get it? <laughs> he remembers that. Do you remember that? <laughs> and then, and then, and then, as he's about to bite, the Frenchman said, I wrote the program for the cake too. Like everything is computer programs. Do you get it? Everything is causality. And he said that I wrote and I put something in the cake. Do you get it? You know where this thing is going. <laughs> so he said, I put so as the lady took the fork and put the cake in her, uh, in her mouth, the French man said, I'm telling you it's causality. You guys don't believe it's causality. See what is going to happen there. She's going to go to the restroom because there's something in the cake that is making her begin to have a running stomach. Are you there? Causality is working. Is that not so? And then next thing, the French man told his guest and his wife was standing there too. The causality is about to happen because he knows the restroom that the lady is going and he, he wants to do something with the lady. Are you following? And then Morpheus and others said, it's not causality. So causality is only one side of the truth. The real thing is choice. That is the point. They were, they were arguing with him that it is choice. It may seem like you wrote the program. It may seem like, it, it may seem like you wrote the program to, to, to have this woman take this uh, cake and after she eats it, she's going to go, but it is still a matter of choice. Like you chose to do that. Do you get it? And you chose, and even after she had ate the cake and she went to the restroom, you didn't have to follow her to the restroom. It was still a matter of what? Choice. Amen. That's the same thing about what they say between science and creationism, right? Science says that um, everything just erupted. Okay, something caused something to cause the Big Bang. But we believe that God created the universe, and that is also a matter of choice. God decided to, to create. So all that we are saying is that when it comes to this duality thing, there is no that there's nothing like anybody who continues in this dual lifestyle, they cannot defend themselves and say that I am made like this. I I want to it, it's like you choose to stay in this state. And yes, there may be causality elements. Look, none of us, none of us draw from the sky, right? All of us were born. <laughs> you have turned yourself into Brother Kweku. <laughs> Amen. You are born. You are born into a home. And so how many know that there's causality in it? Like, like, like there are external things, right? Because the other way also is to, is to look at it from the uh, endogenous things that are what? Uh, um, what do you call it? outside influencing you versus things that are from within you. And this is the same argument people say, okay, I, I, everybody, somebody is to blame for what, I'm, what is happening to me. You see, there is an element of truth in the fact that if you are born somewhere and you are raised somewhere and you find yourself in a certain place, there are certain limitations you are going to have. Hallelujah. But by the same token, you can also see that there are some people who also found themselves in the same place. But because of certain decisions they took, certain choices they made, they are able to break out. Amen. And so then, the question of choice is very important. And there are people also that even when they are given the option, right, that you can, you can escape this thing, they still don't want to escape. That is, they choose <laughs> the wrong thing to do. 
And then, meanwhile, they won't say, this is my choice. They will say, I have been caused to be in this depraved state. So it's not just a question of causality. It's also, it's the main thing is choice. Which is the issue that happened in the garden. The very first place where they have to choose to either believe God or not believe God. Either, either uh, um, you know, avoid eating the, 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 the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or listen to what the serpent had to say. It's, a, it's the basic issue of life is choice. That is why Paul said, I die daily. You would think that Christ has gone to the cross and died already and so now there's no more need for anyone to die. Right? But Christ himself said, that, take up your cross and follow me. So that in as much as the grace of God is there to help us, the grace is only what? Useful when you are already on the road to try to obey God. As you yield your will to, for God to help you, then the grace will kick in. That is what Paul said. He said that, I did, not, I did not frustrate the grace of God. Like the grace of God that came to me, I did not frustrate it. We frustrate the grace of God when we make excuses for ourselves. Right? When we make excuses for ourselves, we frustrate the grace of God. God's grace is ever present to help us, but we have, we have to one, acknowledge that yes, this is an area I need to improve. Amen? Look at Hosea. Let's look at Hosea. As we talk about the grace of God, we are not left to our own devices that whatever um, the devil wants to do. And please understand, right? If you are talking, this whole thing may seem like a philosophical whatever, but that's the basic issue of mankind. Okay? And about, about faith. The whole human race will plunge into what? The fall because of making the wrong choice. Hallelujah. Are you with me? And so, uh, uh, what did I say we were going? Hosea chapter 6. Let's go to Hosea chapter 6. God is giving us a chance. He says, come and let us return to the Lord. See, somebody is making what? An exhortation. Someone is making what? An invitation. And when somebody says, come and let us return to the Lord, it means that what is the past and what, what used to be in the past? We used to be with the Lord. And then what did we do? We moved away from him because of what? We chose to. Amen. But please understand, I am not by any means belittling the, the influence of exogenous forces, external forces that can, that can influence you. Do you get it? Like in economics, we have exogenous variables and endogenous variables. Do you get it? <laughs> Amen. As you would understand. You know, economics is both a science and an art, but people who did chemistry and physics, they don't accept economics as a science. But when we were studying economics, is it economics is a science? Is that not so? Yes. <laughs> it's a social science. Amen. All right. What, what are we saying? I'm saying that as we are talking about avoiding duality, right? I am not belittling the external influence that are seeking to get you. Amen. But the good news is that Christ overcame the devil and all his hosts. Amen. And this Christ lives in you. That's why the apostle wrote and said that Christ in you is the hope of glory. The hope for a, a paycheck means you've been working in, the, in this month. So you have hope of a paycheck. Hallelujah. Hope means that you can look forward to it. And so Christ in you is the hope of glory. And so if Christ in us is the hope of glory, then if we constantly say that the devil has been beating us up, what are we saying? We are saying that Christ is not big enough or strong enough. So the external forces that are trying to get us, there are two kinds. There is one coming from the camp of the enemy, right? And there is one coming from the camp of God. And I would like to believe and like to say that the, enemy, the enemy's forces are no match from the camp of God. And if the enemy's forces are beating us up, once again, it's a question of choice. It's a question of to whom you yield your members to, you become slaves to it. Hallelujah. And so here's the exhortation. God always makes a way out. God always shows uh, it's like God doesn't come to condemn us. Somebody, I don't know what I should say, but some, somebody sent me a WhatsApp this week. I won't say too much because the person might be your cousin or whatever, but a certain person appeared at a radio station. You may have seen that WhatsApp going around. And he was asked to quote, give a verse. Do you get it? <laughs> and 
And then he said, he said say, mention your favorite verse. You know? And the favorite verse is John 3.17. Do you know what is in John 3.17? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. God did not send his son condemn the world. The world, the world through him might be saved. So, so, so that's why this thing came to my mind. Like John three sixteen talks about what God gave, right? For God gave what, God loved the world, and gave His Son. But John John three seventeen emphasizes that God's goal is not condemnation, right? Are you there? This guy, he said his favorite verse is John three seventeen, but he couldn't. He couldn't say anything about this. All he said was that something about um, love. Something, something about love. It was very interesting. <laughs> but why am I saying that? I'm saying that God, the reason why we are studying this is so that if any of these traits are in us, we will not feel condemned. But that we, will, we can come out of it. Hallelujah. So back to Hosea. It says that come and let us return to the Lord. For he has torn. He has torn, but he will heal us. He has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. Hallelujah. Because when we walk away from the Lord, he has no choice but to allow the tormentors to get us. That's a sad, sad thing. One of the things, unforgiveness, for instance, in the, in the parable, he says that, he said that I will let tormentors keep you and harass you until you pay your full debt. So uh, if you are, you are holding unf um, unforgiveness against somebody, like tormentors are sent to you. Do you get it? So, Verse, verse number two. It says, after two days, he will revive us. After two days, he will revive us. It's like, it's like, vivre is to live. Is that not so? In French. To revive means that to bring something that is dead back to life. Even sometimes when somebody is, uh, is asleep, when you wake the person up, do you realize that it is a process? Like first, what happens? They open their eyes. And then sometimes, as they open their eyes, they'll be talking. They'll be talking gibberish. <laughs> because they are awake, but they are not aware. Amen. Of where they are. Sometimes they are not even aware of who they are. <laughs> Amen. So, so the first is that after two, we are talking about a process God is taking us through. After two days, he will revive us. God is reviving us tonight. Amen. He's bringing us out of something. And then, so revivals means that now we are awakened from our sleep. We must still be lying down. We are awake, but we are lying down. Sometimes, back in school, people who are, don't want to wake up, sometimes they, they take pillows and they beat you because it's time to get up and you, you are still yawning. The Lord is giving us time to get out of duality, right? He's reviving us. And then after two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will do us. He will raise us up. This is God's program and God's plan. He wants to raise us up. Not just wake up and be lying on the bed. You see, you are awake, you are aware, you know what's going on, but you are not participating in it. The person who is fast asleep and the person who is awake but they are still on the bed but not joining in in what is happening in the house, there's no difference. A dual person is like a person who is awake. You are, you are awake to, you, you know, you are, you are born again. You are awake to the reality of heaven and hell, right? But in a sense, you are awake, but you are not functioning. So that we need to enter into the third day, where it says that on the third day, he will raise us up. Like if we yield ourselves to him, whatever weakness in us, which is making us live a dual life, he will raise us up like Christ was raised up on the third day. Hallelujah. And when you are raised up, when you stand on your feet, then you can contribute to what's going on in the house. You are awake. You've been revived, but you are awake, but you are, you are lying down. You are not contributing. But when you are on your feet, then you can be of greater use to God, which is where God is bringing us. A people who are awakening, believers, but leading a dual life, you've been revived, but you are still lying down. Now God wants us to stand up. And then when we want, he raises us up. What is his purpose? What is he actually what is the destination he's bringing us to? To live in his sight. When we break out of duality, when, when the, 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 the throes of sleep, the throes of the, the flesh, and the things that are, have such a strong pull on us, when we break out of that, and we, we can yield ourselves to God, and even to our own head, we say, look, 
I don't care about what this thing means. My life in God is much more important. You come alive. There's a certain aliveness that comes because you are living in the sight of God. We are living in his sight. Hallelujah. Verse number three. Let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is what? Established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain. Like the latter and former rain to the earth. Hallelujah. The former rain is, comes down for the sowing. The latter rain comes down to prepare the harvest. You get it. But God is going to be both for us. The former and the latter rain. And then verse 4 is the verse that talks about goodness and badness. Oh, Ephraim, what shall I do to you? Oh, Judah, what shall I do to you? For your faithfulness or your goodness is like a morning cloud. And like the early dew, it goes away. So verse 4 is describing the dual person. A person who is in a relationship with God. But your faithfulness or your goodness cannot be relied on upon. You, it's like you are, you are both good, but then in the time that your goodness is needed, we cannot find it. But then, I like verse 1. Let us return unto the Lord. And I like verse, verse, verse 2, the latter part of verse 2. When we come out, he said, on the third day, he will raise us up that we shall live in his presence. That ought to be our goal. Put your hands together unto the Lord. Stand up to your feet. Let us pray as we bring the Lord an offering. Alright? Take out your test to give if you can. If not, we always take physical offerings too. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are grateful to you for the privileges of the redemption of the blood of Jesus, of the new covenant. We give to you our gifts, our offerings. We give to you all that you have given us. It is yours. And we give you a token in appreciation of our love for you and for your work. Bless it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen.